the topic of Hashanah Rabbah is always somewhat esoteric, being as it's not discussed Bichal even in uh, the Gemara, the Shas, and the Midrashim, the various Ramazim of what people used to do on Hashanah Rabbah was called the Yemarava, and other things which were connected to Hashanah Rabbah. But the Talmud Bavli never discusses and never describes what the Inyan Shalyam is, what's actually happening in the Ruchni sense, what's special about the Shana Rabbah, what sets it apart from the rest of Kharamoid Circus. And this is something which is really the more the domain of the Kabbalah. It's because it wasn't something which there's a mitzvah, the Raisa, which is something unique for us to do, and that's why it's not discussed in the Torah, as opposed to, for example, Tkiyah Shofa, or fasting on Yom Kippur. But nevertheless, there is an Oymek in the Shana Rabbah. We know that from the Tfilis we say, we know from the special Avoda that there is. So, Be'ez Hashem, every year we look at a different aspect of the Yana Shalabah, Vashana Rabbah. What I'd like to speak about tonight is one of the big points that we see about the Shana Rabbah. Uh, first, discuss it more in the, let's say, the language or the terminology of Machshava to explain it, and then after it, I don't want long afterwards to go over to explain it. I'll feel the nusach of the Mukubalim, what the Yisoyed in that perspective is. So let's start with the expression of the Zayar, where he talks about Hashanah Rabbah, and he talks about there's two Chosamas. The two times HaKadosh Baruch Hu seals something. The first is the Chosam of Yom Kippur. And then the second one, the second chaysam, the second sealing, the second, so to speak, seal is the chaysam of Hashanah Rabbah. Uh, the Lashon of the Zayar is it's a chaysam b'say chaysam. It's like a, sta- a seal on a seal. And that's meant to describe to us the concept of Hashanah Rabbah. And the obvious question is, what do we need a second seal for? The Maishah of the Gemara tells us clearly that uh, everybody is nifnas the din in Rosh Hashanah. And the Gzadinam, the Echtam, the Yom Kippurim. And the Chasimah, the finality, the Psak, is signed and sealed on Yom Kippur. And the Gemara already says that when after Yom Kippur to change something which has been sealed on Yom Kippur is very difficult. So, what's this new idea of a second Chosim of Hashan Rabbah? In a way, even minimizes Ke'ilu, people might think that it takes away from the Chashivas of Ne'ilah. If you think that, we meant to understand, Ne'ilah is, like we say in the Davini, this is the Kate, the Saif. This is the end. This is the final Chasimah. And I think, no, there's also Hashan Rabbah. What's Hashan Rabbah coming to add when we already had the Chasimah of Neida? So that's the first point I want to address. The, what does it mean, a Chasimah b'say Chasimah? Just the Lash and the Nusach. A seal on a seal. What does it mean? So let's look at the Halacha in Chashim Mishpat, where we have this similar idea of that there's not talking about a seal, but rather a signature, a chasimah on a chasimah. And let's talk about its halachic significance, and then we're going to try and apply the same thing to understand what the zayim means by using that expression. There's a din, if a person has a shtar, and he's out money, someone has borrowed something of his, whatever the case may be, and there are two witnesses on the shtar. The shtar has been signed. The is that a shtar, which is witnesses, is accepted in basin, it's binding. Except, there's always a possibility, who says these witnesses are genuine? Who says the, that the, if we have the signatories are really the witnesses who signed it? 
And therefore, if a person is going to claim that this is a forged star, so what we need is, we need to verify that the witnesses are real witnesses. What we call Kiyomashtar. And then once we've done that, we don't have to redo it every time. Once a Bastin has gone to the trouble of verifying that these witnesses are real witnesses, they sign what's called the, the Bastin, the Dayanim, sign what's called the Hempik, they sign a second time that we've verified this is a star. And now there's nothing more to, to debate. In other words, the second Chasimah, which is the Chasimah, the seal or the, the signatures of the Bastin to verify that the first, the first signatures are real witnesses and what that therefore we accept what it says in the star. And therefore the idea of a Chasimah beside Chasimah is not a Chasimah on what it said on the star, that's not what interests us right now, but it's a Chasimah which verifies that the first Chasimah was true. So if we had a question, are the Adim, genuine Adim, who signed on this document, we don't need to find out if what they signed is true, which means the contents of the star is true or not. That doesn't interest us. If what these Adim signed in the star, that means it's true. The only question is, are these real Adim or not? Were these real signatures or false signatures? And therefore, all we're interested in is finding out, do we, does anybody recognize the signature? Do we know these are real signatures? And if that's the case, we're signing that the, sign, that the signatories are true. And then automatically, whatever's written in the star is accepted. And that's the idea of a chasimah b'say chasimah, which means we're signing on the signatures. And well, the signing... the signature is signed off by the basin, it's good for whatever the signature has signed. Right. And therefore, the, 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 the idea of the chasimah b'say chasimah is the same on, on Hashan Rabbah is the same idea, which means, and I'll explain what it means in practical terms, but firstly the concept. It means that it's a seal on the seal of Yom Kippur. What was decided on Yom Kippur was signed and sealed at Ne'ilah. And now the, the seal of Hashan Rabbah is a chasimah b'say chasimah. It's coming to verify that the chasimah of Ne'ilah was correct. It's coming to verify that the chasimah of Ne'ilah was correct, and if that's the case, whatever HaKadosh Baruch was signed on Ne'ilah, is, has now been, so to speak, uh, accepted or has now been verified, and therefore it's going to happen. And that's also what the Zayar means, and Safan brought another Zayar, and that after Shadrach, that's when the Dinim come down to this world. Whatever the Zayar was, it's brought down to this world. Now, that makes things sound maybe more confusing. Why do we need to verify what Hashem signed in the Ilah? And how does Shadrach do that? Okay, so let's go back and understand a little bit the process of the Ilah. We spoke about this really... Before Yom Kippur, I want to revise the main points just to understand what's unique about Yom Kippur. And I'm going to start with quoting something I always say ever from Rabbi Rabbi Moshe Shapiro Zechran Bracha. And that is, we all know the Gemara. The Gemara says that when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, the Gemara says, Tzadikim Gemurim, on Nechtavim and Nechtavim Le'altzad Lechayim. Rosh Hashanah Nechtavim and Nechtavim Le'altzad Lemesa. So those who are in the category of being complete Tzadikim are already signed and sealed for Chaim on Rosh Hashanah. Those, unfortunately, in the category of being absolute Yushayim, are signed and sealed, Nechtamim v'Nechtamim, l'Altulimisa. And Benoinim, Atluim v'Oindim at Yom Kippur. And the Benoinim are waiting until Yom Kippur. That's Lashna Gemar. And now the question is, what happens when the Benoinim get to Yom Kippur? So, we understand, also, that if that Benoinim is now going to be a Tzadik, he's going to do Tshuva, he's going to add more Mais and Tovim to his balance, so then he's going to be in the category of the Tzadik, who is Nechtav and Nechtav Al-Tzadikhaim. And if he's in the category of the end of a Rasha, then he's going to be in the category of Rasha. Ramosha used to say that if that's the case, there's no new din on Yom Kippur. If that's all we're saying, what we're really saying is that there's a certain time gap. People are either decided on Rosh Hashanah, or exactly the same way, they're decided on Yom Kippur. 
So if a person happens to be in either the category of Tzadik or Rosh on Rosh Hashanah, then he's decided on Rosh Hashanah. And if he's not, then that same decision is going to happen in Yom Kippur. Maybe by now he's put himself in one of the two camps, and in the same process, if he's in the category of a Tzadik, he gets inscribed and sealed as a Tzadik. If he's in the category of the Rosh he gets inscribed and sealed as a Rosh If that's the case, there's nothing new, if that's what we're going to understand. There's nothing new about the dinner of Yom Kippur. It's just a repetition of the dinner of Rosh Hashanah for people who hadn't yet made up their minds, who hadn't yet put themselves into either category. And that's not the case. The dinner of Rosh Hashanah and the dinner of Yom Kippur are intrinsically different. And if that's the case, when Hashem decides on Rosh Hashanah, for whoever's considered a tzaddik or a Rosh Hashanah, and when Hashem decides on Yom Kippur, for a person who's considered not to have been decided on Rosh Hashanah, and now does get decided on Yom Kippur, it's a completely different kind of din. What's the difference between the two kinds of din? So we know, once again, I'm quoting this there. Rosh Hashanah is called the Yomadi. Which means, if a person is going to be judged as a tzaddik on Rosh Hashanah, that means, and he's going to go through the scrutiny of the justice of Hashem, and it's going to be determined that this person is a tzaddik. And therefore, Pia Dini deserves to live. And Lo if a person is decided on Rosh Hashanah that he's a Rasha, and therefore he's going to get judged as a Rasha, that means Al Piyadin. It's been decided that this person, Al Piyadin, has been determined to be a Rasha, and he's going to get dealt with accordingly. And then what's the category of a Benini? The category of a Benini is somebody who will explain why, but firstly, the Mirasadin isn't going to rule him. And therefore, there's a category of people that the Mirasadin is not going to decide. Tzadik Gomor or Rasha Gomor. And that's the case, the dinner of Rosh Hashanah is left in the balance. That person wasn't yet decided because the Midas Hadin wasn't Makhrim. And now he comes to Yom Kippur. And now everybody is going to get decided on Yom Kippur, except not with the Midas Hadin of Rosh Hashanah. The judgment of Yom Kippur is with a different Midas. The judgment of Yom Kippur is with the Midas Hadin. And if that's the case, those people who haven't already been, so to speak, given their verdict, through the attribute of Din, which was prevalent in Rosh Hashanah, are going to be determined with the attribute of Rachamim when Yom Kippur. Now, as you said before, Rachamim doesn't mean free-for-all. Rachamim doesn't mean a, a, a general dispensation for everyone gets what they want. There's a process of Rachamim. And then there's a bat- the way that Hashem looks at us in Yom Kippur is through the lens of Rachamim as opposed to through the lens of Din. What's the difference between the two? So as the Chazal we mentioned before Rosh Hashanah, before Yom Kippur, I'm going to mention it again just in the context of Filling into what we want to understand tonight. And the Gemara, it's the Midrash and Kisisa. And the Midrash says, when Moshe Ben was Allah Lamarin, he saw Hashem Shalim Oitzaris Shel Sachar. Hashem Shalim storehouses of reward. And on each storehouse, when Moshe asked, who is this storehouse meant for? Hashem told him, this is for people who keep Shabbos, and these are people who ate matzah, and these are people who were Tvilin, and Davin, and Lentaira. Each mitzvah has its own reward, its own storehouse of reward. And then Hashem shows him an Oitzar Godol Mikulam. Hashem shows him a storehouse of reward which is bigger than any of the others. And Moshe asks, What this tremendous storehouse meant for, this tremendous reward meant for? And Hashem's answer to him was, Somebody who deserves in his own rights, then he already gets from his, what he's deserved, what he's amassed on his own. But a person who doesn't have on his own, so then I have, a, so to speak, a reserve. And I can give him reward from my cheshman. And Moshe asks Hashem, well, that's free for everybody? And Hashem says, no, it's not for everybody. I'm only going to give that to somebody I choose to give it to. Which means there's also a cheshman. 
It's not free for everybody. It's Asher Ochoin. Those who Hashem chooses to give chinam, to give free for, for, for free, He gives. Those He chooses not to, He doesn't. Those who Hashem chooses to give Asher Arachem, to give mercifully to, they'll get. And those Hashem chooses not to, they won't get. This is the difference between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah is the category of which means the person's Omid Bedin. And Hashem says, what do you deserve based on what you've done? And a person who's in the category of a Tzadik Gomer, which means that he deserves. So then he knows the Mishalak, then he's, described, he's signed, he's sealed as a Tzadik, and he's going to be rewarded because he deserves the reward. al din, he deserves that reward. What about a person who it wasn't that clear he deserves to be rewarded? And if that's the case, if you're going to look at what he did in the past year, and what, what should be the din for this person, it's undetermined. It's undetermined. So then there isn't a din for that person in Rosh Hashanah. The Medesad din leaves him in the balance. But now what's going to be the question? The question is going to be in Yom Kippur, not what's the din. Yom Kippur is a different attribute. And Yom Kippur is a different perspective. And Yom Kippur, our Kaddish Baruch is looking at it from the, from the point of view of so it was already decided this person doesn't have enough of his own. That's why he wasn't determined to be a tariq. That's why he wasn't sealed in Rosh Hashanah. But now there's a new cheshpun. He doesn't deserve on his cheshpun, but maybe he deserves on Hashem's cheshpun. Which means maybe he deserves from the oitzer of Matnas Chinam. Maybe he deserves from that storehouse of reward Hashem is willing to dispense to those who he chooses to dispense it. And that's the din of Yom Kippur. And therefore, people who weren't necessarily determined to be tzaddikim on Rosh Hashanah can be signed and sealed for Chaim Tavim on the Shalom on Yom Kippur because they're being given with Hashem from Hashem's Cheshman. But now, the, obviously, the critical question we need to understand is what does Hashem base that decision on? If Hashem says it's not open for everybody, whoever I decide to give to, then we want to know what does Hashem decide based on? This is very important to us. If we want to know how does Hashem choose to give Rachamim, so what's the fact that Hashem takes into consideration when He wants to give Rachamim? So like I said before, this is something to talk about before Yom Kippur. I'm just doing a vision on this because it's very negative Hashanah Habitu. The Vilna Gaon says, the Vilna Gaon says, on the bracha we say in Yom Kippur, we say, Melech, Moichel, V'Selech, Rabbi Niseinu. Umavir Ashmoseinu B'chol Shana V'Shana. And the Vilna Gaon asks, what's that second phrase? We've said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Moichel V'Selech. Hashem forgave us. So what's the idea of being, Ma'avir Hashem you've transferred that guilt till next year. What guilt? We were forgiven. What's the idea of, Ma'avir Hashem Hussainu you've transferred it to next year. You forgave us. Yomelech Moichel V'Selech, Rabbi Nisainu. Says the Vilna Gaon. It's not that simple. The Vilna Gaon is the Remez, the Megiddo's Perish Remez, the Megiddo's Esther. And he writes like this. He says, if a person has done a proper shiva, with all the requirements that a proper shiva takes, then a Kaddish Baruch is a Melech, Moichel, V'Selech, Lavoin, Yisena. If a person done a full shiva, Hashem forgives. But very often, this level of shiva that a person gets to on Yom Kippur is not yet a full shiva. It's not yet he's convinced himself, and he hasn't, definitely hasn't convinced Hashem, he'll never do the same thing again. But there's a certain hisoris for shiva. I want to try in a case like that, so then the tshuva isn't enough to say that Hashem is a melech moichel v'selech. He hasn't done a full tshuva yet. But there is something else Hashem is prepared to do. Hashem says, okay, I'm prepared to wait. I'm prepared to wait. 
I'm prepared to transfer this till next year. And if that's the case, let's see. If this is errors that you have on your keeper that you're going to improve actually comes to something. Let's see if you're really going to carry through with a good result. And therefore, Kodesh Baruch Hu is going to wait till next year to see next year what it, if, if that beginning point of his errors on your keeper really led to something. I heard a story which Mamish just showed me like, so in real terms exactly what this idea means. There was a Yid who lived in Ashtad. Lives in Ashtad. He, had, he was learning incredible. He had a certain business on the side. And for whatever reason, the Masaf Masa, which is the Israeli tax authorities, uh, decided they're going to go through a full audit of everything he has ever done. And of course, we're going to check the inconsistency here and something not declared there, whatever it was. And uh, they decided they're going to use him as the a scapegoat for everybody else. So they put him on trial for everything they could find he did wrong. And they wanted to find him a fine of a million shekels. Okay? So a person suggests like that. So what does he do? He think, think, asks him who's the best lawyer that there is who can deal with this kind of a case. And he goes to Tel Aviv to hire this lawyer and ask him to defend him. And being as is Israel, he thinks, well, who do I know as cash in the government? And he has a cousin, as a friend, who works in one office of one of the one of the ministers. So he asks him to ask his friend. To. And then he thinks to himself, okay, I have to dive in also. Then he thinks, one second, if I'm relying on Hashem, why am I hiring lawyers? Why am I asking somebody to ask a friend to ask a cousin to do me a favor? If I'm relying on Hashem, I should rely on Hashem. Okay, so he called up the lawyer and he said, you know, I hired you to take on the case. I changed my mind. I don't want you to represent me anymore. I'm going to represent myself. And then he calls up the friend's cousin and he says, no, I asked you to do me a favor, but you know, it's okay, we'll manage with that. He thinks all the same. Then he comes back to the show, he says, now I'm not relying on anybody else. Now I can dive in properly. And for the few weeks there were until the trial, every day he dived, Rashmur should help him. The day of the trial arrives. And the prosecution, they have the whole, every single document that they can find, all stacked up, everything is clearly marking what they think is done wrong. And they'll be based on what they're allowed to ask for. They want to pay a fine of a million shekels. Okay. He's going to send his defense. So the judge takes all the uh, papers, ties to his chambers. Fiazeli comes back, reconvenes the court. And he says, I've gone through all the claims that the prosecution made. Everything is true. All the things which were inconsistencies are definitely true. You didn't, you didn't do everything as you meant to do. They're asking for a fine. Ah, the million shekel, which is within what the, what the penalty is that the law allows for. So that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And based on what you've done, it's true. I'm writing a judgment that really you should owe the state of Israel a million shekels. And he signed the paper, and he folded it up, and he looked at the defendant. And he said, that's my sentence, that's my verdict. He says, but I'm looking at you, and you look to me like an honest person. I don't think you were trying to uh, steal from the state or commit crimes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this judgment into a folder with your name on it. And it's going to go into the archive of the court. If you ever land up back in this courtroom, they're going to find the folder with the existing fine that you have of a million shekels. And it's just going to get added to whatever new case you have. But if you never come back again, then you'll stay at home and this will stay in the archive and you'll never meet each other again. Which was, firstly, it's filler works. The idea of a judge writing a sentence and not giving it to the person, rather than storing it, has never been heard of before. That's what happened. But when I was told the story, I thought, that's the God. 
That's Yom Kippur. What are we talking about? HaKadosh Baruch Hu writes a verse in Rosh Hashanah. And this is what the person deserves. But there's a concept of Rachamim. And if the concept of Rachamim is the person says, I'm going to be better next to Hashem, I'm going to try harder, fine. It might not be a full chiver. The verdict doesn't get ripped out. But it's Ma'avirash Moseinu B'chol Shana V'Shana. It's going to go going to the heavenly filing cabinet. Let's see if this file is going to come back out again next year. Because it's waiting there. Hashem is prepared to wait. That's a din based on Rachamim. That's a din based on Rachamim. Which means Hashem will decide based on not what the person deserves. It could be by the strict letter of the law, a person deserves punishment. But there's an element of Rachamim. And who deserves that Rachamim? When Hashem says, The answer is, somebody who's asking for it. If a person breathes through Yom Kippur and doesn't even ask for Rachamim, he doesn't feel he's done anything wrong, he doesn't ask Hashem for, to help him, okay, you didn't ask, you're not going to get. But if a person comes to beg for Rachamim, like we do do on Yom Kippur, it's like, Kodesh Baruch help me, I'm going to try harder. Then once the Rachamim says the Vilnagon, the din is there. Hashem says, I'm going to find this din. Let's see next year if you're going to improve. That's the concept of Rachamim. The concept of Rachamim is HaKadosh Baruch Hu is willing to accept the, the person's attempt to improve and based on that, sign and seal the person for Chaim Tov Mudashan. That's the first Chasim. The first Chasim. When you call the Chasim of Yom Kippur. And now we come to Hashan Rabbah. But before we get to Hashan Rabbah, I want to share with you a Midrash. A Midrash which all the Mephoshim ask about. What's the Midrash referring to? The Midrash, which is the Midrash Rabbah in Pashas Pinchas, on the Pasuk, and Pashas Emar, on the Pasuk, on the Pasuk, you should take from you on the first day, you should take the Arimedim and shake in front of Hashem. And the Midrash asks the question, it's not Yom Harishon. It might be the first day of Sukkot, but Yom Harishon, just says it by itself, it's not Yom Harishon of Sukkot, it says Yom Harishon, it makes it sound like it's the first day of the month. And the Midrash says it's the 15th of the month. Why are you calling it Yom Harishon? And the Midrash says, Rishon in the Cheshpan of Anis. It's the first day of Hashem's Cheshpan of Averi. So the Shlach already asked the question, he brings us from the Kadmonim before him, and what about the days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot? That don't count. What's this idea that Yom Kippur is Kilo, we got Kapara, and Hashem opens the books again from the, from the first day of Sukkot? So what happened in between? There were four days in between the two. What, what makes the first day of Sukkot the Rishon in the Cheshpan of Anis? So many answers have been given. But there's one you said, which is going to explain to us both the idea of circus and also, more importantly, the idea of Hashanah Rab. And that is, the way that a person comes to Hashem on Yom Kippur, and of course, he's going to cry, and he's going to do chill, and he's going to promise to try and be better, and he's going to take on Kabbalists. And the obvious question is, why are you doing that? Because it's Yom Kippur. But why? Because you're trying to convince Hashem that He should give you Rachamim, that He should sign you the Shana Teva, He should give you the year that you're asking for. Well, the first way to see is how real was Yom Kippur is how you're going to act after Yom Kippur. If a person's way of acting on Yom Kippur was just for Yom Kippur, it's a way to either try and convince Hashem you're going to be different, but after Yom Kippur, a person gets exactly back to what they were before. So there was nothing real about the Yom Kippur. Yes, they might have done what they needed to do in Yom Kippur. But whatever they took on to do, whatever they felt that they were going to attempt, it never came to anything. And if that's the case, then the chasimah of Yom Kippur was based on a false premise. The rachim that a person was zechut to was on the conscience that you're going to be better, you're going to try harder. 
you're going to improve next year? It was based on the false premise, because you weren't. It was just Yom Kippur, but it never was body day mason. And if that's the case, when do we see, or when do we, more importantly, when do we show Hashem that what we attempted to try and be better on Yom Kippur, we're already trying? The answer is on Sukkot. Because Sukkot is no longer the threat of judgment hanging over us. There's no longer the sense of the aim of Yemei Adin. Sukkot is Yantif. Sukkot is a smash. You have seven days to enjoy. You have seven days to be happy. You have seven days without the pressures of whatever normal activity a person does. And therefore, he doesn't have the tiniest onus that he's too busy. He doesn't have the regular uh, preoccupations which take up his time. Seven days to show Hashem. How real was Yom Kippur? I said, this year I'm going to try harder. Here you had a week. A week of Yom Tov. You didn't have anything else to do. Did you try harder? You put more effort into davening. You put more effort into learning. You're more careful with what you said. Whatever it was that a person was deciding, I'm going to try harder in. This is the proof. Did you try harder? The days before Yom Kippur, the Gemara already says, are days which are very busy. The days are Muslim the mitzvahs. If that's the case, is this the day to bring a proof of how true Makabar Yom Kippur was? No. A person like Kosh Rochem won't try harder in learning Torah this year. But, Matzim Yom Kippur, we'll have to find out a minimum to prepare for Yom Tov. These weren't the days where it was possible. So I can't count that as the cheshpun of if you're keeping your commitments of Yom Kippur. Those are days which have their own cheshpun. They are mitzvahs which keep you busy. But comes Yom Arishon. Comes the first day of Sukkot. Now it's Yom Tov. And now you don't have those preoccupations. And now a person is free to do what they want to do. So how are you spending Chalam How are you spending Yom Tov? Now's the time to prove what you told Hashem on Yom Kippur. And now's the time to see, was it really true? Now that you do have the time, and you do have the Yom Tov, and you are in the atmosphere without the pressure of feeling the Yom Adin, the time of Simcha, all those commitments of Yom Kippur, you started to work on them. There's new Masechtas, you opened up the first page. There's new projects in Chesed, wherever it was. You worked on it, you began. This is the Raya. This is the Yom Arishan. It's a Rishan, the Cheshpun Avonis. It's a Rishan to check. All the things that a person began or said he was going to begin your Kippur, let's see. Let's see. And we have a whole week. And that's the week of Sukkot. And we come back to Sukkot. Now we're coming to see was the Chasimah of Yom Kippur true or not. Not because Chas Hashem Yiftan is Hashem's Chasimah. But the other way around. The Chasimah was the Chasimah of Rachamim. And the Chasimah of Rachamim means Hashem is listening to what we're going to say to him. It wasn't the Chasimah of Din. What was not. Nigz on Rosh Hashanah. That's 100% emes. I'll put the best in of Shemayim and to change. But the chasim of Yom Kippur is based on us. Based on what we said we're going to do, Hashem listens to that. And if we said we're going to try harder, Hashem accepts it. So was the chasim of Yom Kippur was the chasim based on Rachamim. As a share Rachim, you said you're going to try, I'm willing to work with you. Was the chasim real? Which means, was our commitment real? Well, Hashem accepted what we said, and that's what he signed on in Yom Kippur. Now the time to see. And therefore, after a week of Sukkot, on the Shana Rabbah, now we have a chosim on the chosim. Now we have a seal on the seal. Now we are going to be re-looked at based on what we've done in the last week of Sukkot. Based on when we had the opportunity to put into, or at least begin to put into practice everything we undertook on Yom Kippur. And now she's going to re-judge. Are you really doing it? And then if we zaykh to a Shana Rabbah, when we zaykh to a chosim on the chosim, a chasim on the chasim means that what we said we're going to do on Yom Kippur and based on that Hashem is willing to give us another year of Shechayim and Tovim and Shalom, we actually are doing it. We really did start. Our learning was better this week. We were more careful with what we said. We did do more chasim. Then the chasim was right. Then when the person undertook to learn Yom Kippur, in the, even though that was under the feeling of duress, of being understanding under the scrutiny of the din, but it was a real kabbalah. 
And now when a person is not learning that matzav of din, it's a time of simcha, it's a time of relaxation, it's a time of enjoyment, but a person really is carrying out what he said he's going to do, then the chasimah is true. A person deserves the rachamim, and that's the second seal. The second seal is what was given in Yom Kippur, is taka verified. The person is, does deserve the rachamim, and therefore it's going to come to the poil. It's chas v'shalom. The person has forgotten about Yom Kippur. And uh, his sukkahs was nothing better than his, whatever he was doing beforehand. And he didn't improve in anything then. Now it brings a question mark. Did you deserve the rachamim you asked for Yom Kippur? That's the Yisrael of the Chassim of Hashanah Rabbah. And that's why I'll go back to the Zerah we mentioned before. It's only after Hashanah Rabbah the Gzara didn't come down to this world. It doesn't mean the punishment. It means whatever was decided in Yom Kippur. The Rachamim also. It's because Hashem decided the person deserves Rachamim on Yom Kippur and He's going to give him. But first, is a Taka true? Does the person really deserve the Rachamim? Maybe we need a second Chassimah. We need to verify that the first Chassimah had, had, had a basis. Whether Hashem was willing to give a person a ne'ila based on rachamim, based on what he said he was going to try harder. Hashem is willing to shelve all the punishments and, and give him what he wants. There has to have some kind of metzias. The person really is beginning to try. And when, when therefore, at the end of Sukkot, Akash Baruch can look back at a whole week, just like we have a week between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the Rizal says, to saw Hashem, the narrative of Yom Malchus and Rosh Hashanah, we can live a, a better week. We can go through every day again and do it better. Now we've had a week of Sukkot. We've had every day of the week without the normal pressures, without having to go to work, without being involved in taking our kids to Ghana in the morning, whatever else it is, the kids was busy. And we've had a week to learn. We've had a week to do better. And now Kodesh Baruch is going to look at the end of a week of circus. How much is Yom Kippur real? And that's the second chosen. The second chosen is, the first chosen was deserved. The second chosen was what a person undertook on Yom Kippur, and based on that, Hashem promised them a good year, they're talking doing it. And therefore, it's like just like we said before, when the basin signs the signatures on the star, means everything which was said before in the Makuyam is MS. So standing over here, the Chasim of Hashan the Rabba is Makayim the Chasim of Yom Kippur. The Rachim was deserved and everything Hashim wrote to Tov is MS. And then afterwards you have Shmini Ateris, which is when the, the, those Gzeris do come down to the Israel. Whatever the, the Rachim Hashim promised us is brought down and we are going to benefit from it. That's the Simcha we have in Shmini Ateris. That's the first point. One last idea. So what are you meant to do? What's the avoid of Hashanah Rabbah? What's the avoid of Hashanah Rabbah? So the first point is Pashat. We still have a whole day of Sukkot. And if we haven't used our Sukkot until now, at least do it now. At least now, let's remind ourselves of what we were trying to get better in. And then at least for today, we're going to show Hashem where we take a We still have the opportunity. It's still, it's still Hashanah Rabbah tonight. We can still try harder. That's the one point. There's a second element also. There's a second element also, and we'll finish with this. And that is, what's the unique avoid of Hashanah Rabbah? What's the unique avoid of Hashanah Rabbah? It's different. Rosh Hashanah, the avoid of is the shayfa and has its, its koyach in Shemayim. Yom Kippur, it's other Rabbah. It's through fasting and it's through feeling more connected to ourselves in the ruchingness level than physically. That's avoid of Yom Kippur. Hashanah Rabbah is neither of those. It's not even Yom Tif. As far as the Torah is concerned, it's a regular day so what's the kayak of Hashanah Rabbah? That we went to use, so to speak, to be left with that day of Hashanah Rabbah? And the answer is, that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. What a person is in, in science to do in Yom Kippur is in the rarefied spiritual atmosphere of Yom Kippur. It's when a person's in a different world. He's in his tzadis in his kettle, he's been fasting the whole day, he's living in a different mitzvah. And of course, we need that injection 
We need that uplift. We need that motivation because that makes us feel that we can do more. It pushes us to think higher. But then it has to be brought down to the Mesa. And that's why we have a week of circus, which is the Mesa. How much are we going to live with this? How much are we going to bring the Mesa what you did? And the Shana is exactly that. It's not a day different to any other. It's not a day of Yom Tov. It's a day when a person can do as they would do on a normal day. It's an and. The idea is, are you bringing what you recover in your kippah into what you do every day? So here's the day to work on it. Here's the day to prove it. There's one last, maybe very short point, just to sum up the other idea we said before. The, the din we said, I mean, gives a different kind of a din. It's a din of Rechavit. There's a Chazal. And Chazal say, also it's a Midrash Rav in Parshish Amor, a marshal of two people are going to a judgment. And you don't know who's Menatech. You don't know who's Menatech. And one of them comes out and he has his hand up raised. He's obviously showing I'm the winner. Says Chazal, same thing. When we go into the din of Shoshone Yom Kippur, the Ein Anun Yodim Min Yitzach. We don't know who won. But when you're on Sukkot, you pick up a lula. That's like a upraised, like a spear upraised or arm upraised. That's the sign we won. And it's a strange midrash. What was there to win? That we had to, it was, it was in doubt after Yom Kippur, did we win or didn't we win? And now we pick up a lot of, oh, that's a sign on Sukkot, that proves that we won. What, what, how does the one prove the other one? What was unclear at the end of Yom Kippur? So it's the same idea, just on a little bit of a deeper level. What's the argument? What's the argument? that there is the court case between two sides of Yom Kippur. So we have to understand, besides for our individual cheshpun with Hashem, or we want to ask for Rachman individually, there's a second aspect here too. And that is, there's a question on Yom Kippur, Klai Yisrael together. Does Klai Yisrael deserve to be saved? Because it's also part of the cheshpun. There's the individual cheshpun and the collective cheshpun. And again, if it would be a question for Rosh Hashanah, there will be a question of the Alpi Din the Klai Yisrael deserve. And Be'ezashev, the Klai Yisrael should deserve Alpi Din, then Mashiach would come. But sometimes Klai Yisrael don't deserve Alpi Din. And then it becomes a question for Yom Kippur, which means the Klai Yisrael deserve Alpi Rachamim. The Klai Yisrael deserve Alpi Rachamim. And then once again, Rachamim doesn't come for nothing. Rachamim comes because we've asked for Rachamim. Rachamim comes because, comes because we're trying to show Hashem we deserve Rachamim. And then it becomes a question, did we deserve Rachamim? What did Klai Yisrael do to deserve Rachamim? If you're going to use Sukkot, if you're going to pick up a little bit Sukkot, again, now we're not Oymed Bedin. And now we're still using the opportunities of the mitzvahs, so then that's the proof that our Kabbalah collectively in Kippur was right. We showed that we won, so to speak, on Sukkot. Which, because if you're going to Oymed Bedin, we can promise everything to get laid out of the courtroom. And as soon as we're given a free verdict, so then it all gets forgotten about, then it wasn't deserved. And it wasn't deserved. If, the, if it's going to be based on the fact that we because we deserve the Rachamim, it's because we've, undertook, we've undertaken to, to, to do what Hashem wants us to do. And therefore, Sukkot is the proof. Sukkot is the proof to Yom Kippur. When we no longer Oymid Bedin, and we're still using the opportunity to do mitzvahs, we have a little of a praise in Sukkot, then we can say, this is the Raya. This is the Raya that we Zeichet Bedin. There are two times we shake the Lulav in Halim. I'm going to finish with this. The one is when you say, The other one is to say, If you look at the Gemara, 
it makes much more sense to shake for Anasha Mashiach. The point of the, the, the shaking that the, the Gemara says is to stop us from the danger from all the different sides, from Ruchus Ras, from Tlodim Rahim, whatever danger it's going to be. So Hashem, save us, that we understand. We shake the Lord, builds like a protective fence around us, from all, all six sides, all four directions up and down. We understand, Hashem, save us. This is going to be our shield, we're building ourselves with the Lord. Why do we shake the Lord? And the answer is exactly the same you said. On Yom Kippur, we're standing behind Hashem Hashirna. There's one aspect of shaking the Lord because we want to be saved. Which means we need, we're in a situation where we feel we need the salvation. In a situation where we feel we need the Yeshua, then it's easy to shake a little. The bigger Chiddush is when we don't need the salvation. We say, Hoi Hashem Everything's wonderful. Baruch Hashem. And we still shake the little. That means that we, did, we undertook to do what the Ona Hashem was real. And it's the same mistake. We're going to say, Ona Hashem Yom Kippur. Hashem save us because we're only bedin. And we want to Rachamim. Of course it's understood. We're going to try and be better. We're going to try and offer more. As when you can say, Hashem When everything is good, and we can still do what we said we're going to do, then that's the right we deserved it. That's the culmination of the second chosim of Hashem That's the verifying the seal of Yom Kippur. That's ensuring that we deserve the Rachim which Hashem wanted us to get. And then Hashem, after Hashem that's when we get the Shemini Ateras, and HaKadosh Baruch is going to bring us all the bracha that He promised us.